Hello, you're listening to Great Big Talk, a multidisciplinary creative conference and podcast series for inspiring the next generation of artists and entrepreneurs. Today, we'd like to introduce you to a pioneering chef from the farm to table movement, Karen Small. We're going to support smaller producers and makers. We don't we don't exist in a vacuum, and we can't just you know buy you know food from you know some so-called organic farm in in California. We have to support the people who live in this area and, and make them viable so they can continue to do what they do. Everything you venture on, you've got to have some sort of promise to what you're doing and, and make sure you have that commitment. Or what do you believe in? I don't know. You know, that's, that's got to be the foundation for uh, where you're going. By the very nature of, of supporting suppliers and supporting your staff, you're supporting your customers. They've been such an important part of this journey. Um, there's so many people from the neighborhood and so many long-term customers and, and so many people who come back repeatedly because they feel like what we're doing is part of a bigger mission and part of um, a, a stronger view of what what maybe the world could look like at some point. Earliest memories, um, certainly not at home. And my earliest memory was not of cooking at home. Um, I went to school in Athens and um, kind of moved into a communal situation pretty far outside the city and um, became fascinated with with the garden and fascinated with food in general and became kind of the chief cook in the house so that was um, I always respected I mean my grandparents were from Abruzzo Italy and food was always a very important part of our lives and I, I certainly respected it but I wasn't much of a cook before I left home so I can't say I knew that's what I wanted to do with my life, but it was, and I, I wasn't really doing anything specific with my life at that point. We were living self-sufficiently, and um, you know, we were raising our own food, raising our own animals, um, not really working real jobs at that point. But it it was something that I continued to be drawn to, and something that continued to grow with me. Um, I, it just seemed to be a path that I went on, and the, the few jobs that I did take at that point were all food-related, too, so um, that kind of segued me into the restaurant mentality. I was at the Galleria and at the Ninth Street Grill at the Galleria, and that, working with the Manillo family at that point, who were the closest thing to kind of a big restaurant group that we had in Cleveland then. And um, that didn't last a real long time. I think I was there maybe a year and a half, but quickly transitioned then to the Fulton Bar and Grill and um, worked with a man named Gary Sikorsky, who was the owner there, um, who had a vision. I mean, early, early on, this had to be, God, good Lord, 1990, I guess, maybe a little bit earlier than that. And, you know, this neighborhood at that point was um, pretty sketchy at best. And um, he, he really had a vision and brought me in to run the kitchen um, to try to, you know, do something fairly creative. With, with It was a bar and there was a restaurant upstairs. And he couldn't make it. So I, after a year and a half, 
kind of out of out of that business. So because I can't remember where I went next. So I went I went from there. And then I, I worked at Noggins, which was an old, like, seafood California wine restaurant on the east side. I worked there for a little bit of time. And um, Chuck, the owner there, was a very, he was very influential at the time. He kind of brought California, you know, casual California cuisine to the area. And as that went along, then I, I decided I really needed to strike out on my own. And I opened a breakfast restaurant in um, the Chagrin Falls area called Jezebel's. And that, to me, that was my dream restaurant. Um, it was small. Um, it was days, which I really, really loved. Um, it was from scratch, you know, breads and cooking, and everything was just fresh and wonderful some you know there's some internal problems so you know we made it about five years and um it just couldn't last you know the partnership couldn't last any longer so that folded and i went to moxie on the east side and worked with um brad craig and i mean it was it was like the craziest line you'd ever seen in your life you know it was jonathan bennett doug katz uh, Eric Williams, Jill Veda, my, I mean, it was, you know, it was kind of like, sort of like the future of Cleveland cooking or Cleveland restaurants at that point. Um, and that was, that was probably the craziest job I ever had. That was 400 covers a night, you know, just relentless beating every night and no time to, you know, really gather yourself or, you know, have any any type of creativity at all you just kept pounding it out and pounding it out but great food um well run well received um but quite a change from little jezebel's and in, into that into that kind of big big boy restaurant situation so that didn't that i was there about a year and um then i was offered a job to sell wine and cheese at a, at a store in Chagrin Falls, um, Chuck's Cheese and Wine. And um, although it wasn't a cooking job, it, wine's probably a simultaneous passion of mine. And it, it gave me kind of a respite to step away and take a look at things and what I wanted to do. Um, very fond memories of that, you know, kind of getting their cheese selection together in their specialty foods room in line and, and just so much exposure to so much exposure to wine that I hadn't had in the past. So that was that was phenomenal. And then this kind of fell in my lap. Before this was the was the fig, um, this was a restaurant called Kika and it was a punk rock club before that. So um, Kika was a tapas Spanish style restaurant very forward-thinking very before its time um they came in they rehabbed the whole building they you know it was really a project and it, it was a labor of love for everybody involved um unfortunately it didn't you know once again the the area wasn't quite ready for something of that scale and um and then i reached terms to purchase it from from the current the owners of Kika, uh, one of which was a woman named Susan Walters. And um, I had worked with her over at 
the Fulton too. So I took that's I took this over in nineteen ninety nine and been here ever since. I, I had clearly always had a vision, um, and it's such an overused term right now, but for a farm-to-table restaurant, um, that, that goes back to time in Athens and Athens County. Um, and, you know, working with local farmers, working with local artisans, producers, makers, um, that was clearly going to be something that was part of the vision here. Um, what Kika, I think, did very well was develop a neighborhood vibe here, and I wanted to maintain that as well. Um, but, you know, food from close, you know, from people close by, keeping things within 100 miles, keeping things as clean as possible. Um, I wasn't into, you know, building layered, you know, big layered butter sauces and, and the like. Um, I just thought that food deserved more respect from that. I kind of came from a, maybe a California mentality on that one, um, where you know you really work with your producers and you work your menu around your producers. Uh, and for here, that meant working with the farmer's markets in the area. That was the easiest way to uh, get that done, or the most straightforward way, I guess I would say. But um, that's how we built the menu, was, you know, seasonally, it changed very, it, it changes very frequently with what we have available. Um, our resources for that have grown exponentially over the years, um, but initially it was pretty difficult. Kind of drove everybody crazy with that one. So it was, uh, no, 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 we can't do that. No, 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 no. Uh, so, well, I was preceded in time by Parker Bosley. And he, he kind of was a mentor at the time and helped me through the process because he was a very strong believer in farm to table as well. And he helped, you know, with introductions and finding, you know, farmers and butchers and um, people who were producing food the way I was hoping that I would be able to, to use. Um, when you talk about promise, and maybe you don't talk yet about it, but um, that was a promise I made my, to myself and I made to the neighborhood that that was the type of um, economic model we were going to have for this restaurant, was that we were going to support, we weren't going to support big business, we were going to support smaller producers and makers, and um, even though that's a more expensive economic model, I think it's an important economic model for people to understand that we don't, we don't exist in a vacuum, and we can't just, you know, buy, you know, food from, you know, some so-called organic farm in, in California. I mean, we have to support the people who live in this area and, and make them viable so they can continue to do what they do and um, be profitable at doing it, so. I mean, I was always taught a promise is a promise, and if you promise something, you deliver. Um, I don't know that that's a concept I've always followed through on all that well, but it certainly is important to me. Um, and things like promising to have a you know fairly healthy workplace, because um, restaurants notoriously are are, are not healthy. But um, you know, I've always promised that my 
people would only work five days, even though that may seem like a lot, it's not that much in this business. I mean, to keep people at 50 hours in a week is not, not easy to do in this business. Um, so that, I mean, I think that, you know, everything you venture on, you've got to have some sort of promise to what you're doing and, and make sure you have that commitment or what do you believe in? I don't know. You know, that's that's got to be the foundation for uh, where you're going, I guess. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. But to try to identify what the lessons are, I mean, I think there's some very basic lessons about, you know, life skills and organization and um, learning to manage emotions and learning to um, just be a, a sensitive, good person in, in the environment. Um, this is an environment that you spend a lot of time in with people and you become very familiar with them and in some cases um, more familiar than your family because the hours are so grueling and so demanding. Um, yeah, I think, I, I, I think that's the bigger part of that. Those are the lessons I've learned are more life lessons and not necessarily lessons um, about being creative or lessons about um, cooking. I mean, cooking cooking's just a daily lesson, but um, I think the life skills is probably the biggest one. By the very nature of, of supporting suppliers and supporting your staff, you're supporting your customers. Um, my, I, and I, I acknowledge, I probably haven't mentioned them yet, but they're, um, they've been such an important part of this journey. Um, there's so many people from the neighborhood and so many long-term customers and, and so many people who come back repeatedly because they feel like what we're doing is part of a bigger mission and part of um, a, a stronger view of what what maybe the world could look like at some point. Um, but so supportive and just, I mean, I'm not a huge people person. It's not like I'm out here schmoozing with the customers a lot and, you know, oh, how are you doing? That, that's not kind of my ilk at all. But I'm very aware and I know how important they are and I know how much they've meant to the growth of this business. And, um, They've come back repeatedly over the years, so um, I can't say enough about our customer base. Um, we're not the flashiest restaurant in town, but we, can, we feed you well and we take care of you, and um, I think that's an important part of hospitality. Pre-COVID, I mean, it's been a few years since I have spent, like, morning till night in the kitchen. I mean, it really... It, from the time I got divorced, um, I, I kind of had to wear a couple hats around here, and I had to become pretty dependent on good people to help me run the kitchen. And that was, for me, the easiest, not the easiest, but the, um, the most comfortable component that I could bring in, that I could have a relationship with and step away from. Um, so I've kind of been more like on a guidance menu development um, 
vision, vision implementation. Um, as far as hands-on cooking, I don't do that much of it here anymore, and I've kind of gravitated onto um, the baking end of it, which is um, just very calming for me and very meditative for me. Um, but a day I would come in, I would, you know, pull the dough out of the oven. We make, make our bread, we bake our bread every day. I would get that going. Um, if there was something else that needed to be done, I would do that. Perhaps a soup, perhaps a, um, I don't know, uh, some sort of special that we're working on. Um, most of the day-to-day -day menu stuff I didn't, I am not responsible for, and I have to say that very clearly and applaud the people that are. Because um, I don't, I honestly don't think that's fair sometimes, getting all the credit for something that I don't think I deserve all the credit for. Um, I, I think I have, I deserve a lot of credit for vision, and I deserve a lot of credit for inspiration. Um, and having a very clear view of where this restaurant is going and how it's going. Um, but I can't take the credit for the hands-on execution of, of the, daily, the daily menu here. So um, we, on our current menu, we have um, kind of old-fashioned Parker House rolls. So I'm gonna make the dough for that this morning. Um, and then I'm gonna make a batch of biscuits. We're trying to get ahead for Easter. And our biscuits and gravy at brunch are like so super popular. We have a vegetarian version and we have a sausage version. So I'm going to start getting ahead on biscuits and, and then starting a poolish for English muffins too for uh, hollandaise that we'll be doing. So um, it's a lot of pre-work right now for Easter brunch and, the, and brunch this weekend as well. So. But the Parker House rolls are for tonight, and I need to get that dough going pretty pretty soon. So I'm a nervous Kieran Small right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I nervous would be a much better description. Um, this project down the street started pre-pandemic, and pre the shutdown, we had invested. Um, a pretty large amount of money in the building um, to get it ready and um, I you know to be perfectly honest this year and I think I'm not alone in this I think this year has zapped my creativity and I'm feeling um, stressed creatively um, so that's why it's scary to me you know, it's, it's like the vision isn't, it, the vision is there, but the energy is, is a little scattered because of everything that's going on. Um, I think it's going to be great, and I've made the promise to myself to get this place open one way or the other, um, but I think it's going to be a pretty stressful time between now and then, and getting this place opened and staffed and... Um, you know, emerging from the pandemic. <laughs> what does that look like? We, I, we don't know. We don't know what that's gonna look like. I mean, I, I don't wanna sound trite, but I would say if you believe in it, do it. Um, and, and put all your energy into it and don't, don't let a dream die. I mean, I, I, for, for me, I feel like I'm, I'm older than a lot of the people that are, um, trying to do things do new things and live their dream and live their vision um 
Uh, I'd say be ready to work hard and do it. Don't give up on it. You know, I mean, it's it. There's paths, and if you're if you are if you are really committed, you'll find a path. I, I do believe that. It's happened time and time again to me. I mean, I just, you know, I think it's we're sunk and it's all over, and um, and then we're not, you know. So you just gotta believe in your dream, and. Um, push forward on that so be relentless I think a promise that I've made very recently to myself that maybe this kind of wraps it up is is not to be so involved in this that I don't have time for other things and how important other things are to the creative process whether it's travel family um, I think that's really come to light after a year of lockdown is how important all that is to the creative process, and um, so I promise that I'm going to make better use of that going forward, so.